Hello, I'm Marietz Neumann. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others. Today's topic is how to manage conflict in your personal relationships. My guest is Dr. Hanneke van Seyl-Jedelen, counseling psychologist, mediator, author and artist from Johannesburg. Welcome, Hanneke. Hello, Marietta, and hello, listeners. Just to inform our listeners, after our conversation, Hanneke will give us her best tips on handling conflict well, and then it will be fun question time. Hanneke, conflict is part of life, whether it's a war between countries or a lover's quarrel. Today we're talking about conflict in our personal relationships. How would you define conflict for the purpose of our discussion? That's an interesting question and when I was trying to think about answering this one, it really brought an interesting dilemma because people assume conflict but very few people really are able to say what it is. So I'm going to to try and define it for you. So I think it is a situation where one is or where you have been in communication with somebody. We don't really have conflict with people that we have no contact with. So you might get irritated by a driver on the road or something like that, but it's usually where there is or uh, where there has been some communication. And then one of the big factors is where there are opposing needs, expectations, opinions or beliefs. It also has to matter to each partner that there is a difference. Because if you don't care, (laughs) there's no conflict. And then another crucial factor is that each one wants the other to agree with them. And they want to win. So that's the making of conflict. Very lucidly put. Thank you. Are there different types of conflict? Interestingly, yes. We, what we're talking about today is the interpersonal conflict. But obviously there are business conflicts, uh, there are conflicts between countries, there are conflicts between humans and nature, and then we also have intrapsychic conflicts sort of within ourselves. But today relationships are our focus. Aniki, what are the causes of conflict? <laughs> you have touched on some of them. Yes. So, For me, there are three really big factors. The first one is dashed expectations, and then lack of respect, and avoidance of conflict. I want to say something about the expectations specifically. I have yet to see somebody who is upset or disappointed or angry if their expectations are met. True. We usually set up something in our heads and it's when we don't communicate those expectations to partners that this gap exists. Now there's a chap whose work I really, really like. He um, is a therapist by the name of Paul Hawk, and in his book Making Marriage Work, he says, we love people who can meet our needs And we are compatible with people when we know what they expect from us, when we have what they want, and we want to give what they want. And there's a big difference between having and 
wanting to give. And there is no assumption, or there shouldn't be an assumption, that if we have, we should give. I think the negotiation is at that point. And it brings me to another issue that I'm quite passionate about. I think that many people don't have the right to say no. And if one isn't allowed to say no, you never know if a yes is good and whether there's going to be grudges. Now, the transaction analysis people have a, such a fascinating concept, the one of stamp collecting. Now, you remember, and now even at the spa, we have this where you um, buy something and then you get a little sticker to put into a little booklet. And then when your booklet is full with your stickers or stamps, you can cash it in for a prize. And emotionally, it happens in the same way. Every time there's a grudge or an insult or an issue that we don't address properly, we collect a stamp in the book. And when our little book is full, we cash it in for the grand prize, which is usually a massive conflict. Now, this is where the conflict avoidance fits in. Because if one avoids dealing with the little injuries and insults, the stamp book gets full and then we get to that cash-in place. Now the cash-in for me is like throwing a hand grenade into this room. There's massive collateral damage and it's usually irreparable. So we want a system whereby you can address the smaller issues and not have them collect to the point where it, it causes this big damage. Mm. And then the other that the, uh, the lack of respect is a huge issue. And John Gottman, a famous marriage researcher, says that things like harsh criticism and stonewalling, where people just really refuse to engage in a, a conversation, he can use those as predictors of whether a marriage is going to succeed or not a very high level of probability. So the harsher the criticism and the more the stonewalling, the, the worse the outcome um, to be expected. So with this conflict then, if one comes from a harsh place, for, for the listeners who will remember the I'm okay, you're okay method that Thomas Harris had in his book of the same name, I'm okay, you're okay. If one operates from a position of I'm okay and you're not okay, there's immediately going to be conflict. And then the one who is made to be not okay wants to retaliate and then one gets this incredible escalation. So in transaction analysis we talk about the critical parent ego state and so when two critical parents go head on with one another there is a massive escalation. You remember the little hand game that we played as children where the one hand goes on top of the other and I'm better than you or whatever it is? That escalation can go on indefinitely. So I think the, the harsh criticism also is perceived as coming from a, the critical parent ego state and people either want to retaliate or they feel terrible and want to withdraw. Yeah, I must say it's, you actually explain it in a much more practical way than I've ever understood it before. Oh, good. Because the, the, for me, the, the ego states are crucial. And just while we're on that topic, 
many of the, the ways that we cope with conflict are to get out of the parent ego state into the adult ego state, where you can think logically, where you're calm, where you're in control of yourself. Because it's only when you are in control of yourself and how you behave in the interaction that there's any chance of a positive outcome. Otherwise, we're back to that escalation again. The interesting question, what happens in your body during conflict? <laughs> well, full alert. So when there is a, when one's radar picks up that something is amiss, so you, it's a harsh word or a, um, an, a, an expectation that isn't met, whatever the thing is that trips your radar, that alerts the amygdala. Now, Barbara Mariposa has a wonderful book about mindfulness, and she talks about the amygdala as the neighborhood watch. <laughs> and so this neighborhood watch, as soon as it detects something that is out of place in the environment, it sends massive messages to release stress chemicals in the body. Now, the amygdala is part of the primitive brain, and its reactions are really automatic. There's no time for thinking. You, your body goes into fully automatic. And then the, the prefrontal cortex, that's like the CEO of the, the company, is at that point cut out of the picture. So there's no rational thinking or decision making in that process. And so while this alert system is going on, one often says and does the damnest things that you you regret. So the big deal is that we want to get away from that flooded um, stress response because the, the there's no ways that one is can be proactive and decent under those circumstances. And so we need to know that this exists and then find ways to to connect the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex again. And that one can only do when you're able to calm your body down. Now, you will remember from the from stress work that the autonomic nervous system is what helps us cope with stress. So we have the sympathetic part of the autonomic nervous system that is very activating the cortisol and the adrenaline uh, ready for the fight or the flight. And then remember, there's no thinking there. And then we need to get to the calmer place, the parasympathetic part of the nervous system, where we can think again and where there is safety and where we can repair and sleep and digest and so on. So while we're in the activated state, there's no rationality. And so we need to get to the calmer place. And the again, the whole trick in, in handling oneself in a conflict is to get to that calm place as quickly as possible. Some people thrive on conflict and others avoid it as far as possible. Could you talk about this? Right. So if one feels that flooded place and you know that you are without your cognitive resources at the time. It's no wonder people want to avoid it. Also, if you remember, we spoke about the critical parent escalation. Nobody really wants to be in, in that place. But the people who don't mind conflict situations are the ones who are in control of themselves more so than, than others. Now, we 
we think, for example, I, I love the, the Navy SEALs program. Those people are trained for combat and for conflict. And one of the things that helps them is that they feel that they are doing it for a good cause and they know how to calm themselves down. And obviously, they, they are skilled. And then there's the big thing of confidence. And so I, I don't think people handle conflict well when they don't feel confident or good about themselves. I'm not talking about the narcissists and the psychopaths who feel too good about themselves. But I think one needs a sense of self-worth to be able to defend your boundaries in a, in a situation. The other people who, who like conflict and who like the excitement are those with uh, high dopamine levels. And again, if they feel good about themselves and they're skilled, they can really do a good job. So I think hostage negotiators and those kind of people really know how to master those systems. So they, they understand themselves, they feel confident, they have the skills, and they can go in and stay rational and reasonable during the, the conflict situation. Haniki, what are the effects of conflict? Usually pain. Emotional, hopefully not physical, and I think one needs to make rules and we'll get to those about how to avoid the, the physical pain. And then if the conflict is not resolved, obviously it escalates terribly into arguments and animosity and lack of trust, and then the, the relationship breaks down. Now, one of the things that we want in mediation is to protect that relationship. And so a lot of the work goes into putting rules of safety into place so that we don't get to that point of fatal escalation where things just fall apart completely. And I was wondering whether conflict serves a purpose. Yes, it does. All emotions serve a purpose. They alert us to what is happening around us. So it's, it's a bit like your radar or the electric fence that, that trips. The, the thing, though, about conflict is that we want a controlled situation. It's a bit like, like fire. Fire can be very good if it's a candle or if it's at a braai or in your fireplace where it keeps you warm. Felt fire sometimes can be quite good because they bring renewal and so on. But it's when the fire goes out of control that it is a problem. And the same with emotions. They're good, they're cleansing, they help contact, they tell us where our boundaries are. But it's when we lose control of them that it becomes problematic. Now the big question, how is conflict in our personal relationships best approached? You know, <clears throat> I think one needs to have a contract and agreement in place early when things are still going well. Much like you would have an antinatural contract. You have that while you still love each other and it's to protect you when things go wrong. And so we need to set up a system of rules for ourselves about how we are going to conduct ourselves in the, in the process. And we both need to agree on those rules. It's no good I'm playing by one set of rules and you using another. So 
I, I also want to tell you about a tip that I got from a friend many years ago. And in fact, they're of the few couples who are still married after almost 50 years. And they make a regular time to talk. Now, remember, I, I was talking about the stamp collecting earlier. So on their Friday nights, when they don't work, they go out to dinner together or switch the phones off and just chat. They talk about expectations and feedback and what little stamps were uh, collected in the week. And they deal with those issues there and then. And there's nothing that carries on or that has been avoided or ignored. And obviously in that process also they will look at what went well. So we're, we're not just looking at what's wrong. We are looking for how did we do well? How can we do more of that? What did you do that I really liked? And so the, it's a whole system of, of dealing with issues, but also focusing on what's good. The, the other is that we really don't want to sweat the small stuff. We need to find a place where your, your radar alerts you and only when things become or accumulate in a certain area would you address it. So I, I have this little system of, of a three strike. So the first time something happens, I'll think, hmm, I'm noticing that. The next time something happens, um, I'm now really alerted to it and think, gee, this could become a pattern. And on the third time that the thing occurs, I will deal with it. Now, there, there's some very important issues here that I call the rules of fair fighting. So let's talk about the rules of fair fighting. I think that one needs what I call a goodwill umbrella. And this goodwill umbrella means that I'm going to respect you as a person. I'm going to take it that we are both working for the relationship and that it is not us in conflict with one another. We want to resolve this issue for the betterment of the relationship. So there's a kind of an overarching goal. And this goodwill means that I, I will do unto you as I want done to me. So we will handle each other with care and with, um, with kindness and with grace and not immediately assume the worst. So if you do something that I don't understand, I won't immediately assume that you're doing it because you hate me now. I'll think she must have had a good reason to do that thing. So let me figure out what it is. Let me find out what that reason is because I know that this is an intelligent person that I'm working with and we both want this relationship. It's a very different thing when one doesn't want the relationship. So, um, but that's not our, our topic here now. The other that I think is terribly important is that one's safety is guaranteed. So we have a little rule that says no breaking of people or property. And at the same time also, something that I call keep the back door locked. We're not going to escape this relationship here. We want to make it work. Because I think that many people are so afraid of conflict because of that cash-in that we spoke about. 
or the threats of breakup or so that there's never an opportunity to really sort this thing out. So we need that safety. Then we need to fight clean. So no naming, blaming, shaming, um, getting the other person to feel badly about themselves. We're, we want to act as adults. Now you can see you can only do that when you can think there's no way that you're going to remember these things if you, if you can't think under the circumstances. Stay with I feelings. So when that happens, I feel disappointed. Not you are such a so-and-so for always doing that. And then those always and nevers are terrible because people feel very judged by, by that. Stay with the issues currently at hand. And in, in Afrikaans, we talk about don't do that. <laughs> and then very importantly, when things escalate, take time out, breathe, count to 10, engage the adult. And that taking time out, one needs to arrange beforehand with your partner as well. So one or the other might say, gee, I'm feeling that I'm getting flooded here or now I can't think rationally anymore. Let's take 20 minutes, go walk around the house, make some tea. Or if you really can't talk about it right now, make a time and stick to that time. Don't just ignore it. So we're not getting into a stonewalling situation here. But I think the most important thing is that one should listen to your partner and listen for understanding and for empathy and to feel what it is that they felt. Not just listen to, to see where you can get a, an opportunity to chip in or put your point. So take time to really, really get where they're coming from. Because when somebody feels understood and when they feel heard and when they know that you feel what it was like for them in that situation, there's no way you're not going to resolve this issue. And as you said, when one is in fight or flight, then these things can't apply. Absolutely. Something that I picked up from Mark Goulston's book, it's a lovely book called Just Listen. He said part of the preparing beforehand and, you know, that early contract, ask your partner about three things that you must always do when you're in interaction with them and three things that you must never do. Now, one of the never-dos that I find happens so often is that you are just like your mother or you are just <laughs> like your father or you must never interrupt me, give me chance to really speak out. So it's such an interesting little introspective exercise. So just think of the three things that are deal-breakers for you or that, that would really help to assist the situation. So again, old Mark Goulston, he, he talks about uh, fearful aggression and that the more scared the person is, the more aggressive they are. So just remember, when you are in this conflict with somebody, if they start getting aggressive, they probably are scared. And in fact, even bullies, if you challenge them, they often crumble. And so he, he gives this wonderful example where a lawyer was giving him a really hard time and he was, he was really trying to, to intimidate him very badly. And after the lawyer had given a long story, um, Mark said to him, 
Uh, excuse me, Mr. So-and-so, but my mind wandered a little bit. Would you mind repeating <laughs> what you said? And so it diffused the situation immediately because how dare you be bored when the bully is active kind of deal, you know? So sometimes uh, um, if you can keep your cool, you can really defuse a, even a very hostile situation. So that defensiveness comes from feeling attacked. And um, I had this friend who used to say, I won't be defensive if I don't feel attacked. So that's what we, what we need to look at. So now, to, to bring some uh, good points from mediation in here, we want to look for people's interests and needs rather than their position. So a position would be, I'm right and you're wrong and this is what I want and this is what I don't want. And if one tries to figure out what is underneath that, what, what would it mean to them if they got the thing that they are so passionate about? Then we can often work at that point. There's, a, there's that lovely little story about the two girls who were fighting over an orange. And when, when the inquiry was as to know, what do you need this orange for? The one wanted the rind for a cake that she was baking and the other one wanted the juice for a fruit salad that she was making. And so it was very simple to meet both needs in that situation, but not while they were fighting about it. So there's a lovely model, it's called CARE, C-A-R-E. The first one, the C, communicate and focus on the problem at hand. Talk about it and explain it carefully. Actively listen. Don't interrupt. Make sure you understand what the other has said. Empathy is very important. The person needs to feel that you can feel what's troubling them. The R is for review your options. So when you are in thinking mode, when the adult is active, you can brainstorm solutions like those two girls. They could figure out what each one wanted the orange for. And then hopefully one will end with a win-win. So there must be some benefit for both parties, especially if the, the relationship needs to continue. What role does a sense of humour play in resolving conflict? You've just mentioned that guy who said his mind was wandering. Yes, <laughs> I think he took a chance. I'm actually really quite afraid of humour in a, in a conflict situation. I think you need to know the person very well if you want to use it. You also need to be known as someone who can use humour and preferably you need to use an in-joke that both of you will already know the meaning of because I think it is so easy to have humour misinterpreted um, and people are so defensive anyway so they can easily see that now you're trying to make fun of me. So I think if you can't laugh at yourself, best keep humour out of the situation. How can parents teach their children helpful ways of handling conflict? Parents need to demonstrate to children as they are growing up. It's one of those where how they handle their parenting role is what we're going to absorb in our parent ego states. So if they handle it well, our automatic pilot will be good. If there's a void and they pretend like there's nothing, 
we have nothing in our automatic pilot to to fall back on when we're when we're stressed. So I think parents need to acknowledge their own feelings and deal with them appropriately, but also teach children what feelings are. Um, how do you handle this? How do you handle anger? I say to people, get a get a Boba doll or a punch bag and say, when you're angry, this is the appropriate place to put your anger. And in your room, you're allowed to scream or scream into a pillow because you need to vent this or draw a picture and we'll talk about it. Or that place where you can throw stones is in the back wall um, in the garden. So teach them how to handle it. And that rule of no breaking people or property is absolutely paramount. So sit with your child, talk about what happened, that, that care model that we spoke about, get to understand what the position was. And then I think one needs to help them to resolve it with the other person. So let's you and him or her talk about it and what are you going to do differently and can you accept the apology and can you say thank you, I forgive you for, for this now or can we be friends again and yeah, thank you for making the effort towards our relationship to discuss this issue with me and not just avoid it. So I think the, the parents really need to demonstrate and to, to train and to give that message that feelings are okay. There's, it's like the fire. We, when it's contained, it's fine. It tells you where your boundaries are, tells you how to protect your boundaries assertively. And so it doesn't get into that place where people don't know what a feeling is if it bit them. Thank you. Where can listeners learn more about your work? I have a website, drhaneke.co.za, and so the mediation things are on there, and there's some other interesting, you know, work with the positive aging stories. So those are, there are a few articles there, and then if they want to know more, they can chat to me. <laughs> yes, I'll attach the links to your website to Thank the you. podcast as well. Thank you. Now we're coming to your best tips for handling conflict okay. well. Now, you'll remember we spoke about the flooding, what Daniel Goleman talks about as emotional hijacking when we're in that amygdala alert situation. So we need to calm down and get the parasympathetic calming nervous system going. And we do that by breathing. It's the best remedy. It is always with you. And we need to do the out-breath a little longer and slower than the in-breath. So we do a four in, six out. And the other day I saw such a lovely little thing on TV, the a very um, agitated person. The, the guy said to her, smell the roses, blow out the candle. <laughs> and I thought that was just lovely. But that breathing and a few good breaths. Now I just want to explain a little bit quickly. When some creature is threatening to devour you and you're trying to run away, your breathing will be very shallow. It's a 
and there's no time for deep breaths. But if you manage to get away from it and you can slam the door and it's outside and you're safely inside, you will probably sigh and go, <sighs> made it. So that <sighs> is the first sign for your parasympathetic nervous system that, okay, danger is now over. And then you do a couple of really deep breaths after that to settle yourself down. One can even find on your heartbeat, if your heartbeat goes up by more than 10 beats per minute, you're probably overexcited. And so, but it's, it's not really easy to do that in a conflict situation. But sometimes one is aware of that heartbeat and then you know you've got to sigh and breathe. And so that's the first thing. And if people do nothing else, I'd still be happy about that. Then the other thing that I think is really important is that one needs to take responsibility back. People are very inclined to say, you made me so angry or they did that to me. They can't make you feel or do anything that you're not prepared to do. And so rather than say, you make me so angry, think about, I choose to get angry when that happens. And so get your power back. Taxi driver can't make you angry. You choose to be angry because your expectations are dashed. And so all of these fall together. But please take your personal power back. I, I'm a bit of a control freak in that way. I really don't like the idea of some other person being able to make me feel anything that I'm not prepared to feel. Then I want to, to remind people, do unto others. Really treat people as you would like them to treat you. It's also one of those that I think is so encompassing if you just remembered that you would already do, do well in a conflict situation, especially with children. I've already said listen for understanding and this the next one for me is very important. Play the ball and not the person. So it's don't do these ad hominem attacks or uh, naming, blaming, shaming that we spoke about. Stay with the issue both can contribute to that because as soon as we attack each other, the, the game is already lost. And then one of my favorite little sayings is trying to unsay a bad word is like trying to unscramble an egg. Yeah. It's not a good thing. And once that bad word is in somebody's head, it's like a dog with a bone. They don't let it go. So best guard how you speak. Is there anything you'd like to say in conclusion? Yes, there is. There are two apps that I think are absolutely wonderful. The one is Insight Timer and the other one is Tapping Solutions. Now, the Insight Timer is amazing. It has tracks that are called binaural. And these binaural tracks one listens to with headphones and it puts one wavelength in the one ear and another wavelength in the other ear. And it gets your brain waves to calm down. Now, when we are very stressed, we're in a high frequency beta brain wave um, situation. And it, it's easy to freak in that place and be very um, disconnected. So we want to get to an alpha brainwave place or a lower beta where, where you can think, where the options open up, where creativity is possible. 
And so when one practices these binaurals with breathing regularly, it's so much easier when you're in a stress state to get yourself to that calm place quickly. And again, the, it's like the meditators. The meditators who are experienced are able to control their bodies beautifully and easily. So that practice when one isn't in a stress state is amazing. There are also a few others I can give you the links to, to those, uh, which is called the, the polyvagal breathing, which is that slow, deep breathing that calms the nervous system down, gets you into the parasympathetic state. And then there's another little one that I'm really fond of called emotional emergency pause, few minutes also with breathing. And so those things, I think, are just amazing. Now, the tapping is wonderful. It's the EFT tapping, like a, like a manual acupuncture. And the tapping has many different little routines that they illustrate for you with pictures on how to, again, calm your body down when you are overexcited or over angry or, or stressed. So those two are my favorite things. I think if I have to run for the hills, I'll take those with me. Yes, and I think they are wonderful and they are free both, they both are. of them. And yes. then I think there are paid options as well, but you can do a lot free. You know, free. There, there's over 100,000 free meditations. I don't think you're ever going to need the paid one. And so just as a last word from Mark Goulston, he says, mastering the art of controlling yourself will change your life. And I, I honestly agree with him. And I think when one is in control of yourself, you, you can handle any conflict situation to the best of your ability. Wise words. Now, may I ask you a fun question? Well, let's see if I have an answer to it. <laughs> now, Haniki, you have the most beautiful garden. We're privileged now to sit and look out on the garden. And I know you tend to other gardens as well when you yeah. like to. So my question is, if you were a tree, which one would you be and where would you be planted? Sure, that is an interesting one. I really love Pride of India trees. They have the most beautiful stems. And whether or not they're flowering, I think they just are magnificent. And I would probably want to choose a view site. So <laughs> where, where you can stand and bask in the, in the sunlight and have a, a beautiful view. I don't know that they grow by the sea, but if a pride of India could be by the sea, <laughs> that's what I would want. <laughs> well, if a biobab can grow by the sea, I don't see why pride of <laughs> well, India Well, it's an can't. imaginary one anyway. Yes. So yes, in the sun, observing a beautiful view. Thank you. And thank you, Haneke, for really deepening my understanding of conflict and for all those practical tips. I know I'm going to have to listen to this podcast a few times and take notes and see whether one can apply this. So thank you very much. You're welcome. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone you care about. If you'd like a more fulfilling relationship with your beloved, if you wish parenting could be easier, or if you're interested in upping your emotional well-being, you're welcome to visit my website, 
marietsneyman.co.za for free articles and podcast episodes. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me and the music is by Mart-Marie Sneyman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9.00.